Welcome back to the MLS Net Boys Show. My name is Chase. I'm here with my good friend Jacob. How are you doing today, buddy? It's a great day. It's Sunday. Summer's over. We've uh, we've been sitting here for about two hours trying to figure out how to record this episode since Isaac isn't here today. Producer Isaac um, called into work last second, so we're running it. Just like the good old days, just me and Chase, but... Hey, one of these days will be big enough that he'll have a work phone for us, and we'll call him with emergencies. <laughs> How do I plug in my headphones again? <laughs> Which knob turns up the volume? <clears throat> um, No, it makes us realize there's some, there's some work that goes into a podcast, you know? It might not sound like <laughs> it from the other end, based on listening to this show, but it takes some... Uh, it's a blood, sweat, and tears. That's a good point. That's a good point. There is a, there's a lot of work that goes into this, even though it may not seem like it for the people who have to listen. We got to do like a, you know how like when you're in school, they have like those like teacher appreciation or like Janet, like, you know, like for different positions in the school, they kind of highlight people. Yeah. We got to do producer podcast appreciation pro- week. Small podcast producer appreciation week. And then... Just like roll back all the times Isaac's been on the on the mics, <laughs> him snoring in the background, <laughs> the, yeah. just the different highlights, <laughs> the audio of him like stuff. dropping his cle- like his keys and stuff. <laughs> That'd be awesome. We got to get him. We got to get him a mic. Season two, mic up producer Isaac. The more we talk about it, the more excited I am for season two. It's gonna be big things. We're gonna say all this, and then season two is gonna come, and it'll it's be exactly like exactly <laughs> the exact same. Except Isaac like won't want to be here half the time. <laughs> just less audio production we're gonna be the only podcast to get worse as time goes along anyways short week in mls not very many games to go over and there's still one game that hasn't been played yet that will be played in a, about two hours or so about an hour actually yeah uh international break uh happening right now and hopefully one of the last times during actual league play because, yeah, most teams get the week off, but a select few got the nod to play. So can we real quick, you mentioned international break. Can we just discuss the USA? I, I want to hear your thoughts on it. I know this is not the uh, USA Net Boys podcast, but uh, what what's your thoughts on that game? You know, I'd be lying if I say... I knew too much about it because I saw the score. I saw who scored. I saw the highlights, but I didn't really watch the game. So I don't really want to give a take. Um, I heard that the play was not very inspired, which, like I said, I'm not sure, but not exactly what you want to see after Greg Bearhalter gets his first game back in charge. Um, yeah, they won 3 0. Two goals after the 90th minute, though. So. USA versus Uzbekistan, powerhouse, big club, big club or big nation. They're a club to me. <laughs> They're the Rapids of Asia, apparently. <laughs> but definitely seemed like a game the U.S. should have dominated. Pretty solid lineup when you look at the guys who are out there. Um, just poor performance, though. Not what you want to see, unfortunately. Even though it was three 0 yeah, and maybe the play wasn't inspiring. I don't think this is anything too serious to, you know, pump the brakes on. 
because this is a friendly. This is coming out of a busy summer with a lot of games. Let's let's let Greg have a couple couple more games before we call for his head again. Sack him right now. That would be the dumbest thing. Get Gio Savarese <laughs> in there. Gio. Man is elite in tournament competitions. He would be so good he, for a World Cup. He'd probably win the World Cup his first try, or at least get to the final and lose. That would be honestly an amazing shout. A guy who's deeply embedded in U.S. soccer history, like within like MLS and like the league, he would be an amazing shout for the U.S. job, honestly. See, I'm a big Geo guy. I was very sad when he got sacked, but I, I wouldn't want him as coach of the Natties. I I can see him going to like a smaller CONCACAF nation. I think he would be an amazing international coach. I just the his style of play like and how he gets teams fired up for big matches, just like that grittiness and like getting his teams to like really just fight for each other. I would love to see him take that US job. I I would love to see him at like a like a Curacao. No, not that small. Like a Costa Rica, Jamaica. I mean they're bigger teams for CONCACAF. Even Canada, I think, would be interesting. But, you know, John Herdman, Canada coach, this is MLS-related, actually. He left um, the Canada job to go to Toronto FC. That's a big move for Toronto, but a big blow for the Canadian program. That shows just how, like, how bad of a spot the Canadian, like, national team program is right now. The fact that they, like, lost probably their best coach they've had for the men's national team left to go to the worst team in MLS. Yeah. Well, one of, yeah, but the appeal with Toronto, I can see I would, if I was in his position nine times out of 10, I would jump for that job except for the fact that he would be a world cup hosting nation in 2026. That's a, that's a big step down in my opinion. I, I agree, but I think he kind of sees the writing on the wall with the fact that Canada doesn't seem to be like a sustainable project. The fact that they aren't dumping very much money into like their national team programs. Um, I don't think they're going to continue to build on the success they had of like, uh, you know, being that top team in CONCACAF last year, going into the World Cup. It's kind of a wake-up call for them. They lost all three games, and then afterwards he said, yeah, it was a great experience. Like... <laughs> I don't know. I, yes and no, because I, I see it two ways. I see they did get there, and if I remember the Belgium game that they lost 1-0. They played excellent, and I think Davies missed a penalty. Yeah. So they proved they can compete, Just and I think this experience will be valuable for them, for the younger players. You know who I would love to see have a shout with Canada? Caleb Porter? No, actually, but I think he would do all right. Wilfred Nance, I'm sure, is going to get some interest. Took Montreal, was a local, um, you know, kind of product of the Montreal system. Was pretty successful with them. Very good team he he developed and, you know, good style of play. Now in Columbus, same thing. I would be very surprised if he doesn't get get a ring from Canada. I agree. However, I think he has the ability to reach far higher heights than the Canadian national team. I think he could find a club team that probably would be better than the entire nation of Canada. I don't doubt that, but like I said, the allure of coaching as a host nation, one of the host nation teams in a World Cup, 
I think would be very hard, very, very hard to ignore. Um, Except for you got to think, do I want to be the head coach of a home nation that's about to lose three home like group stage games and then get knocked out? See, I don't... Especially that's just almost embarrassing, and it could set you back further in your career as a coach. It's kind of like with the U.S. job. Like There was a lot of these names that were like put forward as like who wouldn't want to take this job like all these like big profile names and now it's kind of coming out that a lot of these like coaches weren't even interested in the u.s job so i think a lot of big name coaches aren't really that drawn to the fact that it's like a home world cup see i agree and disagree i agree that you're right with that point but i don't think wilfred nancy's a big name head coach at least in well, for Canada, I mean, that's like the equivalent of like U.S. being linked with like Roberto Martinez, like, like he. That's the equivalent, you know, if like with how successful and big the U.S. is versus how small and unsuccessful Canada is. And you're right. However, this is also going to be the first expanded World Cup, so there will be much worse teams getting into the competition. Let's be honest. Anyway, that's true. I just don't like Canadian soccer. I really don't. And I don't think they're going to do well in the next World Cup either. This guy's a hater. Anyways, let's move on to what this show's really about. And that is international break MLS soccer. This is for the real MLS sickos. We kind of mentioned before. We'll go over some games. DC United versus San Jose Earthquakes. Nil-nil draw. At Audi Field in D.C. D.C. has not been good recently. Other than, you know, their their win against uh, Chicago, their 4-0, where they kind of, you know, changed things up a little bit. They were, they were on two, like, rough losses. They lost to New York Red Bulls, lost to Philadelphia, um, obviously lost to Philadelphia in the League's Cup before that, lost to Pumas before that. So... <laughs> Definitely not like in a very good run of form. Just the fact that they beat up on a, like a pretty poor Chicago team. You know what's really concerning is their ninth place, last playoff spot in the East. Twenty-eight games played, thirty-four points. You know who's breathing down on their necks at this point, and obviously right below them, Chicago, Charlotte, New York City, Red Bulls, but Inter Miami, only six points away from DC United. They would be the team leaping them out of any of these. And they have two games in hand. So if they win both those games, which they probably will. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's a that's kind of a good segue if we want to move on to the Inter-Miami versus uh, Sporting Kansas City game. This was one of our predictions games, and neither of us predicted Inter-Miami pulling out a 3-2 win. Kind of surprising, honestly. I mean, we had talked about it. You, I think, believe said that SKC was going to win. I predicted a draw. Um not very many people were high on this uh, Miami team missing, I think it was 10 players to international duty, one of them being Lionel Messi, who scored a banger of a free kick for Argentina. Um, really against those Burger League workers? <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> that was an MLS. The McDonald's goalkeeper. Um, but no, uh, Miami still had a good uh, you know, kind of spine of their team. I think that that's what I talked about in the last episode where they still had Sergio Busquets, still had Jordi Alba, um, Facundo Farias. Uh, you know, they still had Kamal Miller back there anchoring their back line. Um, solid, 
solid team still, and I think it shows just how dangerous this team is going to be going into this next year. The fact that they have all these role players around those 10 international players that are huge game changers for them. Yeah, and for me, this game could have gone either way, honestly. I don't know if you saw the the goal that... Because Kansas City was up at first, and then Miami came back, went up 3-1. Kansas City gets one back, but that third goal where Sergio Busquets like does a quick restart, completely catches Kansas City asleep. They're complaining to the ref. Like Those little momentary lapses that seems Miami is getting from these teams, I'm not going to say it's luck, but... I think the right team can capitalize on it. We've seen Nashville get really close twice, but an interesting thing I saw brought up was Leo Campagna probably won't stay with Miami next year. They'll probably go for a big name. Griezmann's been linked. Suarez has been linked. I can see a lot of suitors looking at Campagna and he's just like putting a stock out there pretty much. And he scores a brace. Where do you think he goes if he stays in MLS. I would love to see a team like like a Vancouver, somebody who could use a big striking piece who's like a other than Brian White and Ryan Gold. I can see Ryan Gold more play you know, he's more of a playmaker and like feeding him. I would love to see a team like that. See, that's true. That's what like we've kind of thought of Ryan Gold in the past, but he's looked his best this season when they just throw him up there as like a part of like a two striker system, and he doesn't have to worry about defending at all. And I'm I'm a big Brian White fan. I just I don't think he's like that like the starter for a for a cup winning team. So Vancouver would be cool. I can see like a Seattle going for him if Rui because D- Rui Diaz kind of seems like he's cooling down. That'd be a big move for them. Honestly, Portland. I'll just throw all the Cascadia teams in there. That would be a good move. LA Galaxy, especially if Chicharito kind of either retires or you know he's had that long term injury. I think that'd be a great move for them. What about? Don't say Colorado. <laughs> Were you gonna say them? <laughs> How did you know I was about to throw out a Colorado Rapids right there? I would love if they did, but I. It sounds crazy because it's not even that ambitious of a move, but it doesn't feel like a... Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I think a a Timbers probably wouldn't look at a guy within the league like that. No chance. Um, Seattle, definitely, I could see, like, picking him up and him proving Miami wrong, like, proving that he's, like, a solid piece that could be really dangerous in this league. Can't think of any other teams off the top of my head that could use a striker of his profile because he's kind of a unique guy. Like, he's pretty tall but still like pretty clean with his footwork so kind of fills a handful of roles that you'd want out of a striker you said Colorado jokingly there's no way they'd go for him they would go for a Miami (laughs) you know kind of falling down of the order pecking order forward they they would do like Robbie Robinson and that would be like their big signing would be Robbie Robinson this is funny so a little bit of backstory to this Earlier this week, uh, I've been sending Jacob, I send him just random MLS news whenever I see it, and I'd sent him the fact that Luis Diaz was waived from the Columbus Crew roster, and I was pretty bummed because I said, this guy's been solid for me in my uh, FM save, and he just sends back, this is going to be Colorado's like big, like big news pickup, and then not even a day later, I open up Instagram and I just see like news like, Colorado has signed Luis Diaz after being waived from Columbus Crew. <laughs> it's uncanny how many MLS, not even rejects, but these like kind of leftover pieces they pick up. 
and I'm not going to take full credit because I saw comments saying like, oh, like Rapids are like looking at this profile of a speedy winger player. And then I saw the Columbus waving him. I was like, oh, this has got to be related. But it's it's so funny because we were talking about Columbus like just a couple weeks ago. And we were, or not Columbus, Colorado. And we were saying how they try and do what like uh, Nashville or like uh, St. Louis does where they pick up these depth pieces from other teams, but they never do it well. They always get bad depth pieces. And I think that's the same thing with Luis Diaz. I think it's just a fast guy, no end product. You know who he reminds me of? We named an award after this player. Was it the the Darren Maddox Award or yeah, Darren Maddox or Emmanuel Boateng? There's just there is that certain profile. These electric wingers, but can't put the ball in the net or get an assist like a Spria, like yeah. when he first started. Yeah. Um, speaking of Colorado, <laughs> we also were wrong on this because we were we went in we went hard on Colorado last week. We're going to do it again because some news actually came out from the Rapids that Robin Frazier, head coach since 2019 midway through, has been let go. And I don't know if you read the letter from the club president or, yeah, I think it was the president of footballing operations. He he didn't lay into Robin Frazier, but, I mean, he was pretty critical of him, I would say. What's your take? I... I have a hard time because I like Robin Frazier. I like his philosophy. I like, you know, just kind of how he talks about soccer. He just seems like a likable guy who has a good head on his shoulders. But, I mean, when you think about it, he hasn't really been set up for success at any of the teams he's been at. Like Chivas USA, not really set up for success there. Colorado Rapids, not set up for success there at all. Um, But I don't know, man. I just... I didn't see what the owner had said about him. Um, But I don't know. I mean, he's kind of part of that weird, like, era of, like, MLS players and coaches who kind of came through together. Like, I know he's coached with, like, Greg Vanny and um, guys like that. Um, You know, like, I think he was around, like, Connor Casey as well. That's a pull right there. That's a deep pull. But just... I don't know. He's never been in like a good position to be able to be successful. So I think he would be, but also I don't think I would necessarily want him like at the Timbers. I don't think I'd want him at my club because I just, he hasn't proven to be good at like developing players. Like when you think about like when he took over that Colorado team, I don't know much about the Chivas team he was at, but none of their like core pieces got better. Like when you think about, the team that they've had and the pieces they've kept, none of them have gotten better. It's just gotten worse. And part of that's from like no like investment in the team, but also if you put a guy like a Wilfred Nance or even like a Gio Savarese, like somebody there that could get the most out of like core pieces, I think they would have shown a lot better these past couple of years. I agree. And like this letter is going to say, this is from their, their president here. And I'll read you a little bit of it. This is from Padraig Smith is his name. And he highlights the 2021 uh, playoff appearance and uh, first place in the West team. And he just like thanks Robin Frazier for his dedication to the club. But then he goes on to say, we've also experienced some untenable lows that have culminated in our current reality. A team that's last in the league, scored the fewest goals, lost another Rocky Mountain Cup and is on the verge of missing out on the playoffs once more. It's simply unacceptable. It's unacceptable for the type of club we want to be. 
but more crucially, it's unacceptable because this is a team that is capable of much, much more. Do you agree? Because it sounds like he's kind of calling them out to me, at least. Yeah, it does kind of seem like that, but he seems a little delusional if he thinks this team is capable of much, much more. When you look at just some of the other teams, like I could think of five teams just rapid fire that all are just way better squads than Colorado. Yeah, ice for me, I, Colorado's ceiling, like looking at the roster as now, is like a team that makes the playoffs. I don't even see them in the top half of the playoff. Team. They're like the Luton town of the MLS. Like they're just they're in the league, but they're not well equipped enough to even put in like a top half finish. Because I think like that 2021 team, not the best team in the league. They probably overshot their weight a little bit. But they were a good team, well-organized, a lot of good pieces. But who nuked that team? I don't think Robin Frazier would, you know, just blow up that team. It, it had to have been for the financial aspect or just trying to get some cheaper options, make some profits on certain players. I don't see but how... You, sorry, sorry to interrupt you. I, was just, I just don't see how this team that they have right now is a team that would be competing for anything. I would agree, but you got to look at like core pieces that got worse under Robin Frazier. Like Lalas Abubakar got worse, Cole Bassett got worse. Um, just looking down their roster right now, I'm trying to think of people who were there right around the time he took over. Diego Rubio got worse. Jack Price has been there for a while. I wouldn't say he got worse; he's just been injured. But you just kind of look at like their roster. They don't have anybody kind of going back to what you were saying. They don't have anybody that screams like playoff caliber player. Like I, I don't see a single name on this, this list other than Jack price. That could be like a solid player that would help a team that's in a playoff spot right now. For me, those ones you mentioned, Abubakar, price Rubio. I think those are good players, but they've just been set up to fail. I I don't think you build the team around those guys, but I think they would be great in a in a better setup, in a more cohesive unit. I think they could prosper, but those aren't the guys that are going to win you a trophy. Like they they performed admirably. I remember Abubakar and Austin Trusty's center back partnership in 2021 lights out, maybe the best in the league. Yet they got rid of it. So, I don't know. I see your point. Like, those guys aren't going to be the guys who you build around. But I think they're good players. I don't know if they've... See, I don't know if I would say they regressed. Maybe they have, but I wouldn't blame that on Frazier, personally. I think that's more... I think it's a mixture. I think he was set up for failure, but he didn't make the most out of the situation he had. Uh, I'm looking at the roster that he had when he originally took over, and he did lose like a, some key pieces, like Akel and Acosta, Tim Howard, of course. Um, you got Clint Irwin as your backup back then. Legend. Um, he had a Kai Kamara. Um, obviously, he still has Jack Price, but guys like Keegan Rosenberry have gotten worse. Like I said, Lalas Abubakar. Just guys, nobody got better underneath him. It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate, but as a Timbers fan, I would not take Robin Frazier at our club. Yeah, and a lot of people have been floating the name around. You know, I can see the in, 
Drieg because you know you always hear he's like a well-respected name but have we seen anything like the fruit of of those well-respected comments of those like comments where a lot of people give him praise I'm not saying people should trash the guy but I feel like we've yet to see it other than one random year where they were pretty dang good um unfortunately I I think the path for him would be like going to USL and you know you don't think he wants to go be an assistant coach at Miami (laughs) that seems like the popular gig but I think somewhere maybe a little lower you know style of football where he can develop himself into a winner then he gets a shot in the league I would agree I would agree he's been successful as an assistant coach um as an assistant coach he's helped teams win MLS Cup supporter shields Eastern Conference Canadian Championship um runners up in the 2018 CONCACAF Champions League what team was that for off the top of your head how do you know Toronto yep but as a head coach across his career um across 202 games he has a 31 percent win percentage that's not great that's pretty poor uh with a negative 54 goal difference real quick you got one coach to come into colorado turn this thing around give the fans something to cheer about who do you pick any coach in the world realistic pick i was about to say jose Mourinho. that would be so weird that would just blow this league up um a realistic pick i don't know because it just seems like their their fo is not backing this team at all it seems like they need to wipe like clean house completely and just restart um i know like we weren't super impressed with him this season but like geo i think could turn that team around i don't think he would go there um Bob Bradley I think he still has something to prove in this league after like kind of blowing up with Toronto and I think he's a coach that if you give him money and you allow him to bring people in don't just stick him with like random European like just old Italian dudes I think if you give him money and allow him to build a team he can be really successful I would like to see Bradley because I think he could use the challenge you know LAFC he was constructing a great team and they were successful we saw with chicago fire you know he coached the u.s national team he he's had good patches and i'd love to see colorado give him like a role kind of he had like like how bruce arena was sporting director and coach and just give him talk the about keys. him as well <laughs> that was my segue um give him the keys to the franchise and see see what he can do because he would be able to pull some players you know from past experiences but New England Revolution draws Minnesota United in Minnesota 1-1, and literally at the end of this game, they drop a bomb. Bruce Arena has parted ways with the club. He resigns after an investigation. And still, very cryptic language here. Bruce Arena was at the club since 2019, took over for Brad Friedel, and turn this team around under Friedel they were a terrible team and he brought in lots of pieces had a good style of play and I mean New England's been a dangerous team for a while now Um, so he was sporting director and head coach so interim head coach Kurt Analfa, one of his assistants becomes his sporting director or the sporting director at New England but we don't really know what happened yet so 
Yeah. I mean, for them to let him go must have been something pretty serious because he's been an amazing coach for them and completely turned their their franchise around. So either it was something really serious or they think they've like outgrown him and they think that they can continue the success, which honestly, I don't know if they can. I don't know if New England Revolution is the club to continue to be successful without like a Bruce Arena controlling everything. It seemed like such the perfect fit and I'm really disappointed. I'm sure a lot, of, I know a lot of New England fans are confused, disappointed, thinking where do we go from here? Because yeah, we don't really know what happened. The rumor is I saw was toxic workplace environment was created by Bruce <laughs> Arena. That was what I saw floated around. We don't know if it's, yeah, we just don't know. I don't know. I'm looking at his uh, coaching career though. Um, so across his career, let's just compare him to Robin Frazier real quick. He's got a 49% win percentage across his whole career, and that's dating from 1996 until now. His best stints were with the U.S. national team and D.C. United, both at a 55% win percentage. Both stints with the the U.S. were actually a 55% win percentage, which is kind of crazy. That is crazy. You know, I think either way, no matter why he was let go, it's a sad reality that this era will most likely come to an end because once again New England not able to get over that hump I'm curious who they'll bring in next do you think do you think they give Bob Bradley a call bring in the old guard or do you think they go a different direction and try and get in a young coach like a Wilfred Nance I think a younger coach I wouldn't wouldn't surprise me if they go like foreign honestly honestly arena in terms of domestic coaches kind of ticks all the boxes he's successful they play well um he was good at sporting director too i just don't see a better option in the domestic pool um we didn't even talk about the game too it's funny uh they went to minnesota and it was a 1-1 draw and minnesota early on conceded to new england carlos Gill with a nice goal and then, like, the last kick of the game, Dane St. Clair, Minnesota goalkeeper, gives an assist to Franco Frankpogne and scores. That's MLS, baby. That's two blown leads in stoppage time in back-to-back weeks where they were in a winning position, gave up four points. They would have been at 52 points, five games off of Cincinnati with all this nonsense going on in the background. Yeah, it seems like their club's just in some disarray right now. Not quite um, where they would want to be, of course, but uh, obviously I think they're looking more at the future. I think they're probably feeling solid going into the playoffs this year. I don't know what their plan is exactly, but they must have been kind of in a similar spot as the Timbers. Like, better to just dump him now and, like, start planning for next year. Which is interesting to me. First off, that was a prediction game for us. We were both wrong. Me and Chase both opted for Minnesota wins. It was a draw, obviously. Um, but unlike Geo, I I mean, Arena was doing well, you know? Yeah. This was a good team. Yeah. I Like I said earlier, though, I think it's either some, he must have done something really terrible or they felt like they were at a point as a club that they could do better than him. Um, which I obviously disagree with, but I think they must have been at a point where they're just like, you know, we're already kind of wrapped up playoffs this year. As long as we just don't bomb out of the rest of the season, 
Um, we might as well move on and start like focusing towards next year and then hope that we can pull something off in playoffs. It's a good discourse about <laughs> some original MLS squads. Um, that was a big point for Minnesota to pick up at home because like we mentioned, we're going to talk about them soon. A lot of teams just creeping up, creeping up right behind, um, them. So Minnesota, 37 points, but few spots below the Portland Timbers hosted LAFC. And this was a huge game for Portland because they needed three points. A lot of these games are being called must wins. Portland wins two nil at home versus LAFC. Nobody expected this. Nobody expected this to happen at all. The the two goal scorers as well, Luis Mabiala with like a goal just on like that was just the ball's dangling on the goal line and he just heads it in. And then uh Claudio Bravo scoring like a pretty nice team play. Um build up like slotted finish from him. No it's just I'm at like a loss. Like I don't know what to think of the Timbers anymore, dude. Just like didn't expect them to win this game at all. I thought LAFC was going to come out just like mad about losing to Miami in a game that they were right there in. Um, and then they come out and just Timbers kind of do the Timbers thing. And when their backs are against the wall, they always seem to produce results. Interesting because, yeah, you know, some some absences due to international duty. I think most notably Dennis Bawanga. But... You're right. LAFC should have came out of the gates flying. They were playing pretty well, I would say, in this game. A lot of possession at points, you know, which comes with being, you know, LAFC. But they had some good chances. Carlos Vela missed open header in the box. Um, Bogus, open header in the box, misses. And all sorts of just blown opportunities. I don't know if, yeah, the, the goal, McCarthy just completely misses the ball. Open corner kick that just... And then it's just dangling right on the goal line. It's weird. And just all these mistakes. Um, but I want to focus on Portland because we're fans and we don't care about anybody else. <laughs> but real quick, last thing about LAFC. I've seen a lot of people talking lately like one of the big downfalls for LAFC is not signing a better goalkeeper going into the season. Like John McCarthy had some like at, like outstanding heroics in the MLS Cup final. But a lot of people are saying they shouldn't have gone into the season like having him as their starting goalkeeper. And what's funny is now Maxime Cropo is healthy. He's just on the bench. Mm-hmm. He just hasn't won the spot back. But, I mean... He might after this game. He he definitely might because he was kind of like the missing piece, it felt like, for LAFC last year. They finally got like a, a really good goalkeeper, solid in the league. And now he's on the bench and their regular goalkeepers punching balls and missing them. Anyways, let's move on. What were you about to say about the Timbers? I mean, all sorts of weird stuff happened this game. Luis Mabiala, how about him? The guy we always complain about. <laughs> I saw I saw somebody uh, tweeted, they said, like, I hope this is, like, the final swan song for Mabiala. Like, let him go out on a high... After, like, all the criticism he's faced, he's been, like, a solid center back over his tenure with the the Timbers. Um, Just let him score this goal to, like, push us towards playoffs and never play for the Timbers again. (laughs) And I think it's interesting because on the ball, he still had those shaky... He almost blew a couple, like, weird possession things where he had the ball and he just, like, mishit it or, like, the ball slipped out of his touch. But 
Portland, unlike when Gio was coach, when they got the lead, and especially when they got the second goal, they didn't just park the bus. They went for, like, the kill. They were playing up tight, like, high tempo. Like, they had a lot of chances to make this a 3-0 game. And so Mabiala wasn't just constantly under pressure the entire time, and they were just waiting for him to make a mistake. He had a pretty good game, actually, like, in terms of clearances and tackles. He was really good, actually. And what do you think about that? Because... I, I it may have it kind of proves a point that I've been saying for a while that, and I've kind of been thinking about like Timbers defenders have always been viewed as like not like elite defenders in this league. I mean, to be fair, there are no like amazing center backs in the league, but I think Timbers center backs have always gotten such a bad rap due to like Geo's play style. Like when we go up, we just sit back and absorb pressure, and then you get Mabiala moments where he's cleared seven out of the last crosses and then the eighth one like goes off his shin like between his legs for like an easy tap in at the back post but when you play like a more attacking style and you stay like trying to create pressure further up the field so you don't like just absorb all these chances like our center backs tend to look a little bit better he's not the most mobile against counterattack, so you can't really afford to let that happen but it makes sense why he looks better when you play this type of style yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, he had Zach McGraw next to him. Zuperich was out on yellow card. And two very slow center backs, honestly. And yeah. they looked solid against LAFC, a very quick team. There was an interesting quote because a lot of the like post game was actually talking about Liam Ridgewell's like, defensive coaching. And I think McGraw said Ridgewell spent like, 30 plus minutes their last training session just practicing corners practicing corners as defenders and Mabiala had a little quote where he was saying that with coach Miles Joseph and Ridgewell like a lot of things that were sliding before in training like things that were being led slid like haven't been happening so it seems like there's some weird inferences that maybe Geo I don't know you tell me I don't know. I mean, it's those things that when you, you know, they talked about Geo's job and the life cycle of it, you know, when things kind of get towards the end of the life ci- cycle, um, things get overlooked. You know, maybe they've focused on corners or, you know, those, those small pieces of the game, like in previous years or earlier in the season, and then it just kind of gets overlooked because they feel like they need to focus more on other things or... Um, they're focusing more on rest or, you know, it's, it's just those things that when you've been at a place for so long and you've built so much, it's really easy to like, not think about the small details, but no, I love hearing that. I love the fact that I really hope Liam Ridgewell sticks with the club with whoever the next appointment is, because I think he has like the ability to develop into a head coach himself. Yeah. The quote here was Mabiala said over the last two seasons, we've been letting a lot of things slide and he was asked about the coaches like training and defensive and then Zach McGraw was asked to like expand upon that and he pretty much echoed the same thing so I agree Ridgewell seems like I mean he's such a vocal leader like when he was a player when he was a commentator I think it'd be great because what the commentators were saying was now that Gio's gone like Ridgewell has become straight away like the number two like on that coaching staff and I mean defensively it makes sense I mean 
it seems a lot cleaner. Do you think Ridgewell throws his hat in the ring for the opportunity at the head coaching job? Um, I think if Joseph, if anybody would be Miles Joseph who gets it, but I think honestly that would completely depend on if they make playoffs. If they make playoffs, I think there's a chance it happens. If they don't, I think they look elsewhere. Yeah, I would agree. I honestly wouldn't be upset with like a Liam Ridgewell um, appointment, but I do think keeping him like on the coaching staff for as long as possible and letting him develop would be awesome. But he's a guy that I could see being a really good head coach in the future, and I wouldn't want to lose him to another MLS club or let him go back overseas because it'd be a lot harder to get him back over here. It'd be like a like a Steven Gerrard, how he was being like groomed for like that Liverpool job, and then just his career went down the down the drain, unfortunately. I'm here for the Stevie G, Liam Ridgewell <laughs> comparisons, profile comparisons. That's it except for la galaxy and Which st kicks louis in 15 minutes uh but yeah that's that's all the games that actually occurred this week um so we were gonna just hop right back in where we left off last week discussing the ring of honor we've done two-thirds of the league already worked our way from the west coast down through the south and we're gonna wrap it up just 35 more teams to go in MLS. <laughs> Next week, we're going to go through uh, USL. We're going to start with USL Ring of Honor, and then uh, we'll work our way down there to uh, Division One college soccer. Love it. Would be kind of fun to, like, one of these episodes go through, like, best college soccer, like, best, like, MLS players that came through, like, the draft. Weirdly, I was thinking the same thing, actually season one and a half in the off season the off season <laughs> the last episodes we'll call it <laughs> the forgotten files anyways we're gonna just just kick right into this it's a and big club we're starting with a big club that was impossible to find any any players really that have that aren't retired already that haven't <laughs> been retired for 15 years um but I ended up pulling a name of a guy that has was absolutely lethal when he played in this league, and his name is Nemanja Nikolic. Really good striker. Um, I was going to say those years Chicago was good, but they made the playoffs a whopping one time, I think, in the last 12 seasons. <laughs> um, but Chicago Fire went out and got Schweinsteiger, Dax McCarty, um, a lot of good pieces, and then they added Nemanja Nikolic. And he was lights out. I think he won the Golden Boot. I think his first season in Chicago. Yeah, he had 24 goals, three assists his first season um, in 34 games. I think across his whole time, um, he has like 50, I want to say like 50, I have it right here, 51 goals and 96 appearances. So across his time um, in MLS, he was scoring about a goal every other game, a little bit more than that. But that's really impressive for a guy that spent three seasons on a crappy team in MLS. Really, really impressive. Came from Legia Warsaw. Same team Yaro Niazgoda came from, I so, want to point out. Kind of sad for him. He uh, The three years before he came to Chicago. So he won the league with Legia Warsaw in 2017. Won the league with them in 2016. In 2015, he won the Hungarian Premier League with Videoton. 
And uh, then he, you know, so he won three leagues in a row and then went to Chicago. <laughs> um, Poor yeah, guy. Yeah, good, good, good shout there. Um, the only thing I would knock him for is, you know, he was only there for three seasons, which is a long time. But there's other players. They're just from a forgotten era of MLS. Uh, Frank Klopas, Peter Novak, uh, Chris Armas. Ante Razov, few OG. Frank Klopas is a solid shout, especially since he was just like Chicago through and through, stuck around in the coaching staff for a long time, and then was pretty unfortunate with his uh, recent run as head coach. But what can you do? That's MLS, baby. Next up, we got Cincinnati FC. Darren Maddox. <laughs> just kidding. Lucio Acosta. Oh, sorry. <laughs> They just get all those random. Well, when they were bad, yeah, they were they were signing players like they're the Colorado Rapids, dude. <laughs> Man, that's just, <laughs> I I feel for any Colorado fans who just the only time they get mentioned on any podcast, just they're that team that gets bagged on. They probably love our podcast. We're probably the the only podcast that talks about them, <laughs> other than just talking about relocating other teams, than like Colorado Rapids fan TV or something, but. <laughs> Anyways, back to Cincinnati. First name we got down here seems like the obvious one. Lucho Acosta. What do we got for Lucho? I mean, he speaks for himself. I mean, he came, and this was same time that, you know, Pat Noonan took over. There was that takeover. But lights out, probably going to be the MVP this year. You know, drag them to their first playoff appearance, and... I mean, they won, I think, one or two games in the playoffs last year. He's played 78 times for Cincinnati, 25 goals, a boatload of assists, MLS All-Star, best 11 last season. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think he definitely has the MVP wrapped up this year. Um, and just the way he's, like, transformed that club. Like, it's not all due to him, but his play has, like, helped just elevate that club to a whole new level, and it doesn't seem like he's going anywhere. Another shout. Big player. Old Nick Hagland. He's been with the club since 2019. He's a local lad from Cincinnati. He, part of the reason, he, you know, he's at Toronto. Uh, you know, solid rotation center back through some good years there. He wanted to come home, and he went to Cincinnati and got piled on for like three seasons in a row. Stuck with it. Legendary player for them. This is what is fifth season there now kind of crazy that they've even played that many seasons and been there ever since 94 appearances yeah yeah one of their leading um leading mls players and appearances and just been like a solid anchor for them in the back and has just kind of helped been I don't, like you said like he's a local guy uh kind of helped set like the culture for the club so I, I could definitely see him winning over the hearts of the uh, Cincinnati faithful and getting his uh, getting his name up in the rafters, you know? You got any other shouts for Cincy before we move on? No. There's, I was going to make a joke one, but, I mean, those are literally the only two. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't see any other ones. Next up, we have Cincinnati's fiercest rivals, the Columbus crew, and this was the first guy that came to mind for me. Because I just watched him light the league up forever. I watched him just destroy the Timbers a couple times. Um, Federico Higuain. 
uh kind of weird because i remember when i first watched him i was like i wonder if he's related to gonzalo higuain come to find out they're brothers um and then you know the rest is history with gonzalo coming to mls and them reuniting in miami but federico higuain when he was at columbus like in his prime he was like right up there with like one of the best players in the league. He I remember like the battles between like him and Diego Valeri when they were on the same field was just it was so fun to watch. That was like prime MLS. That was that was Messi versus Ronaldo. <laughs> Both of those players though, like Higuain was just a magician with the ball, had a really similar effect on Columbus as like some of these other guys, like a Lucho Acosta or like we said, um a Diego Valeri. Just absolutely lights out for them. And he stuck with them for a long time. He played there from 2012 until 2019. So definitely one of their longest tenured players. Um, 55 goals, 49 assists, and just shy of 200 games. You know, that's kind of depressing. He left the year before they won MLS Cup in that Columbus. That is sad. And he went to D.C., who finished 24th. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot he went to D.C., then he went to Miami. Yeah, so... <laughs> That's a rough that's a rough one for him, but doesn't take away the fact that he was just an absolute legend for them. I got a couple other shouts here. A couple you, you didn't actually put on here. Um so I'll go over these real quick. He can cover the other two cuz Columbus a lot of good candidates, I'd say. It's it's a tough one to go with cuz they have such a long history. Brian McBride, former USA striker, 161 appearances, 62 goals. Pretty pretty solid for them. Uh was on Columbus when MLS began as a league and played there till 2003. Um, obviously went on to Fulham. You know, he had to take a step down. He couldn't handle the pressure. <laughs> but a lot of goals, a lot of time played there. Guillermo Barrochelletto, former LA Galaxy manager like two years ago um, and Boca Juniors manager. But probably the first big argentine like playmaker attacker to come to mls and be super successful came in 2007 before you know which was unheard of at this point came from boca juniors 118 appearances 38 goals won them 2009 mls cup 2008 mls cup sorry so the trophy yeah obviously the guys you named are like just legends of the league, not just Columbus. Those are some solid players. I was kind of looking at some other names that were uh, a little bit more recent. Um, one I won't talk about too much because I dislike him is Chad Marshall. Chad Marshall, just probably one of the all-time great like MLS center backs, held it down for Columbus crew from 2004 until 2013. Um, before going to Seattle honestly could have been on Seattle's ring of honor help them uh, you know win supporter shield and then win two MLS cups uh, as well as winning two supporter shields and an MLS cup with Columbus Um, so just a solid guy like 253 appearances for Columbus so he was there for a long time definitely um, put his footprint in the club but another guy that just kind of has been floating around the league, but just his time at, at Columbus was fun to watch is Justin Miram. Justin Miram was just a solid guy that was pretty exciting back in his day and then just had a steep fall off, like a really just steep fall off. He had a nuts 
finesse shot, dude. I remember. <laughs> but yeah, he he that whole team that Eric Higuain, Kai Kamara, Justin Miram, Will Trap. That was an mm-hmm. exciting team. Yeah, Justin Miram. That his best season with Columbus was 2017, right before he left for Orlando. He had 13 goals, five assists, and uh, 34 games played. So n- never put up like super amazing numbers, but was just like a really important like role player for them and like progressing the ball and could always get you like you know five to 15 goal contributions. Yeah, he was always always a solid player that held it down for them. And then even after his stint with Orlando, he went back to Columbus for a couple more years. So he ended up playing a total of nine seasons for Columbus. Um, I want to say he has like close to 200 appearances, which would put him up there as like one of their all-time most appearances. He's at Charlotte now? He's currently at Charlotte, yeah. He's yeah. got a... Oh, gosh. Let me see if I can pull his stats real quick. Three, last, go- three goals, four assists currently. Last I remembered, yeah, he scored a brace at Atlanta, his former team. And a lot of people there felt like, you know, they he had a good stint at Atlanta. But Yeah, he played at Atlanta one season in 2019, and then he was with RSL from 2020 until partial, part of the way through this year, and then he went to Charlotte. But, yeah, guy just kind of floated around the league a little bit. but Hung out with Kai Kamara too much in Columbus, <laughs> apparently. Made uh, made the most of his time in Columbus. Next up, though, another historic club. Not as much, but a, a, a definitely a dynasty club. We've got Toronto FC. And there's some, there's some obvious names here. Clint Irwin comes to mind. <laughs> there's, there's some obvious names here, but... There's one guy I really want to focus on that I think deserves it above the others, and that's Jonathan Osorio. You know when we were talking about Russell Tybert the yeah. other week? Yeah. He's like literally the exact same, but he's actually really good. Osorio. Yeah, Jonathan Osorio is a, a lights-out player. Um, I think he's at the tail end of his career now. He's 31, um, but he's only played for Toronto. Started his career 2013 it's now currently 2023, still playing. He's got 14 games, 14 starts this season. So just still just a solid lights out player for them. Was, you know, part of that like crucial team that won the league. Um, and, you know, that three years of dominance they had. Just a solid player that is still making a difference. And I think I can't see him going anywhere, but with how MLS works, I could just a weird like one season trade to like an expansion team or something I could see happening. Right. He was out of contract. I want to say it was last year. And it was big because it was the World Cup had just, you know, ended. It was the off season in MLS. I think he was rumored with oh man, I think it's I think it was Olympiakos, mm. big Greek club. But he ended up turning it down to stay at Toronto. Like you said, he'll probably stick around there. It's gonna be shades of Mark Noble at West Ham when that guy when Jonathan Osorio retires, you know. It's gonna be it's gonna be a sad day. How about a couple others on your the obvious ones? There's some obvious ones, and I'll just throw I'll throw all of them out there, and we can kind of discuss them as we please. But obviously, Michael Bradley, obviously uh, uh, Sebastian Giovinco, and uh, Josie Altador as well. But out of those three, how would you list them? Like in list of importance, like one, two, and three. Who would be the top one? Shoot, putting you on the spot here. Oh man. In terms of longevity, it's a 
I, I'd go Giovinco, Bradley, Josie. And that's no discredit to Josie. I just think... And especially Bradley, too, was a huge piece, but I feel like they could have found an equivalent complementary piece, whereas nobody could replace Giovinco. That guy was ridiculous in the league. And that's been proven since he's left. Like, they, they can't... They tried going back to Italy and bringing in two people to, like, do the job that one Giovinco did, and it hasn't worked out for them. But that guy... Could, it could be argued that he was the the original player that started the Saudi Arabian League revolution. <laughs> He's the reason why Ronaldo went there. He called up old Seba Giovinco and was like, "Hey, man, how's this? How's this league?" That's hilarious. In he, you know, once again, MLS MLS starting these these new frontiers in world football, <laughs> pioneering the way for a lot of uh, players around the world, but um. Yeah, he's – I would agree. Giovinco probably the most important player for them in their recent history. Man was lights out. He played a total of 114 games, scored 68 goals, assisted 40. So Ridiculous. nearly had a goal contribution every single game. But not too much else to be said on that. I think most people who are listening to this podcast probably know about Giovinco and like the legacy that he uh, has left behind in Toronto. Moving on to a historic club that, for whatever reason, was really hard to find a player. I think it'll be similar to Columbus. There's probably a lot of old players that you could pick that I just kind of glossed over. I was trying to look for some more recent players, and I went with the clear and obvious answer that everybody would choose if they were looking at a DC United. Who is it, Jacob? Rodney Wallace. (laughs) It's back-to-back weeks. Just kidding. DC United, as of now, Steve Birnbaum. Been kicking in at DC for a long time. Steven Birnbaum has been at DC for quite a while. I mean, he's he uh, he's been there since 2014. Um, and he's just been just a solid defender. He's never played less than 20 matches except for in 2020, which I think he was injured. Um, but just solid center back that's just anchored them for a long time i mean it's, it's kind of hard to like just continue to talk about these like players that aren't like <laughs> truly amazing players you know but just a solid mls player that has held it down for years years on end yeah and kind of like we said we try to go a little bit more modern so most players most fans at least would recognize obviously if you're a fan of dc um Eddie Pope, legendary center back, won the had the game winning goal, MLS Cup, the first one. Ben Olsen, two hundred twenty one appearances for DC, coached for a long time as a player, won two MLS Cups, the original Concacaf Champions League, the Champions Cup, an Open Cup, three Supporter Shield. Retired in two thousand nine, became head coach in two thousand ten, a year after he retired, and then was head coach there for 10 years so he was within that organization a very long time another shout Jaime Moreno um, played with DC for I mean he only had one stint where he left in 2003 and played with the Metro Stars but other than that with DC from 1996 until 2010 won four MLS Cups with them won the league twice the Supporter Shield um, 
329 matches played with them, scoring 131 goals and 59 assists. So Legendary. Absolutely legendary status, not only for DC United, but just legendary MLS player. Him and uh, Marco Echeverri, same category. He was there not quite as long, very long time, won a ton of trophies. More recent one, I'd throw Bill Hameen up there. Homegrown player from the area, started in 2009, went on loan once for a little bit, but played there until 2022. So about almost 300 appearances for the club, about 280 so long time it's like a it's kind of interesting when you really try and think about that number of like 280 games is a lot of games to play when you think about a season's only about 30 34 games that means a player has been loyal and not very many players even get to 280 games across their whole career and interesting about this is kind of irrelevant but Bill Hamid you know Played for the national team a few times here and there. Made a competitive appearance in the Gold Cup. Apparently, he was on the bench for Sierra Leone for a match, for a few matches against some other African nations uh, last year. Didn't play for them, but was on the bench. How does that work? I believe you're allowed to file like a one-time switch. So he may have filed his one-time switch. Um because that's kind of like how the whole Diego Costa like that's right switching from Brazil to Spain. Um anyways, moving on, we have the Philadelphia Union. Only one name it can be David Akam. Uh <laughs> <laughs> oh. Did you watch him on the <laughs> Nike Academy? <laughs> no, I did not. I absolutely did not, but I, I should have put him down for Chicago Fire. That's where he really made his name. But I think the clear guy for recent history for Philadelphia Union has to be um, Alejandro Bedoya, though. Uh, came back from, I believe he was at Nancy in, in France. Yep. Um, came back and kind of helped turn this club around and has just been a solid mls player since and they look like a like a way better team when he's on the field despite him being an old man (laughs) um no you're right yeah legendary player captain the real soul of the club because to be honest if you're an mls fan now if you were only a fan of the league maybe the last five years or so philadelphia's been really good they were never a great team before this i think they won their first playoff game only in 2018 or 19. So this success and all is fairly recent for them. That's probably the best name on that list. However, Sebastian Latou deserves, an a, sh- deserves a shout, I think. Kind of reminds me of Kenny Cooper, actually, weirdly enough. They kind of <laughs> look similar. And he, Kenny Cooper, they had some similar stops. Sebastian Latou played for Seattle, Philly, Vancouver, New York Red Bulls, Philly again, the Rapids, and then D.C. But Sebastian Latou, uh, almost 200 appearances, about 50 goals, was there in their expansion seasons. Um, I just figured this out. Philadelphia has a ring of honor, actually, and he's in it. Makes sense. Makes sense. (laughs) Another name we got, Jack Elliott. He's been with Philadelphia since 2017. Only time he's been away from them is when he went to their USL... um, affiliate the Bethlehem, Bethlehem Steel, Steel. Uh, he's there for a couple years 
it's kind of a uh, deceiving because he only played one match with them in 2017, one match with them in 2018. So, other than that, he's been with Philly since 2017, um, and is you know like we were just talking about, they weren't necessarily a good team back then, but he's been there through the thick and thin. And then 2019, when they really started to turn their luck around, they've been a really solid team. He's been at the heart of that. Like him and Jacob Glesnes have been part of the reason why they're so successful they haven't had to worry about a center back pairing or worry about um you know how they can stop goals when they have two amazing center backs and then they have Andre Blake behind them who honestly kind of leads me into another one Andre Blake is in for a shout of ring of honor that guy has been just a arguably one of the best MLS goalkeepers of all time and I think he could go down in that like argument of like a Nick Ramondo um who else did you put up there? Would you throw in a Luis Robles or a Connor Casey? Or, I mean, Casey Keller? <laughs> I think uh, I think either of those. I think Robles for his longevity. Keller, I know, came to Seattle, and he was really good, but wasn't there a ton. I just remember the old sweatpants. Sweatpants Keller? Sweatpants Keller. <laughs> um, moving on to another club that has a lot of options New York Red Bulls. You left one gaping hole on this list, I must say. I I put down one guy who probably is the clear and obvious shout that we don't even have to talk about, Thierry Henry. Um, obvious answer that re- like just was lights out for their club, an amazing player. I threw down Tyler Adams as well. Didn't play for them for very long, but I think at the end of his career... Um, people will look back and be like that was probably the best product of new york red bulls like their best outgoing player ever um i threw down geo savarese back when they were still called the metro stars their uh, inaugural season geo savarese scored the first eight goals this club ever scored all were geo savarese one of which was a bicycle kick and he also scored a hat trick ridiculous no um, business he was, he was a huge fan favorite as well. I was kind of reading about it a little bit earlier today. Um, he got about 96 appearances before he left. A lot of those weren't starts. A lot of them came as substitutions, which make his, like, 50-plus goals even more impressive because it was in way more, like, limited minutes. Um, and then when he got sold or traded off to New England Revolution, a lot of fans were really upset with the organization for letting, um, you know, a huge fan favorite go. I also put down Mike Grella just as a joke. <laughs> um, Who do you got? Couple, I got Clint Mathis, legendary early 2000s, and national team player. Played about four seasons at the Red Bulls. Um, Luis Robles, like you said. But the big one is BWP, Bradley Wright Phillips. That's a huge one. I can't. I don't know why I didn't even think of him. The Apple TV man himself. For whatever reason, that didn't even cross my mind. That's so weird. I I forgot about him too. Danny Royer was good for them as well, kind of uh, in yeah. that in that era. Um, Mike Petke played there for a long time. Uh, I think I think BWP for me though would be because he just missed that first shield in 2013. He came in 20, maybe he came in 2013. I'm not sure. I think he did actually. So he was there for a few shields. Deep playoff runs, deep Champions League runs. I think Dax McCarty would deserve a shout as well. Mm-hmm. Kind of took over post Thierry Henry era as captain and 
we talked about him before, but still, still feeling the effects of Dax McCarty um, in Nashville. Yeah, so BWP was there in 2013. So he won three supporter shields with New York Red Bulls. Just could never do the business in the playoffs. But still, amazing player that kind of goes down as like a league legend as well. Um, across his time in MLS, he scored 117 goals and 234 appearances. So definitely a guy that deserves some respect. And I am kind of upset that I forgot about him, honestly. Another uh, another guy that's on the uh, the broadcast with him on Apple TV, Sasha. I can never say his last name. Kajeleshlin. Kleshin. Kleshin. Another guy that was just lights out for uh, New York Red Bulls when they were putting together those shield shield winning teams. It's a great great shout. Yeah, lot lot of good, lot of historic you know good players at the Red Bulls. Cross the river crossing that Hudson River Derby. I don't want to talk about this club for very long. We don't have to. There's not much here. Well, there kind of is. Short history for the new kids on the block, the, you know, buy your shiny toy, rich club, City Group FC. Next year's going to be their 10th year in the league. That's crazy to think about. That's so weird. But New York City FC, obvious answer, has got to be David Villa. The only one of, like, the three, like, they brought in Frank Lampard, Andrea Pirlo, David Villa. David Villa was the only one that cared. Those other two didn't, just did not give a crap about what was going on at that club. 100%. And, you know, they missed the playoffs their first season, but then David Villa was legendary for them. Scored so many goals, cared, he was the captain, like, wanted to be there, like, paid attention to the league before he even got there. He would always talk about it. And, like, I remember when they signed him, like, a year before they started, he went on loan to Australia just to, like, stay fit. And he wanted to, like, come be a part of the city, be a part of the fans. And what a legend. My only regret with him, I wouldn't even say regret, but, like, they won the cup after he had been gone. And it had been, like, three seasons after he had left. But shows how they kind of ushered out after that kind of era of the European stars and progressed to uh, building a more complete team. I would agree. I would agree. And a a piece of that more complete team is another shout is uh, Maxi Morales. Um, Just unfortunately out for the season last week towards ACL, I think, at 36. Which is a bummer because he had left to go play in Argentina and then they got him back. That was like his third game or yeah, something. Yeah, he played. Yeah, he just gotten back and then yeah, got injured. But obviously, huge important piece for them. He'd been there since 2017 until you know this year, of course. Um, has 166 games for them, um, 76 goal and assists combined. So been a productive player for them. He's been the heartbeat of their team. They don't look the same without him. Um, another guy though that has kind of helped anchor their team that just left actually was uh, Sean Johnson, goalkeeper that honestly could have been on Chicago Fire's ring of honor as well. Another guy that we overlooked just like David Akam. Uh, but he he played more games with NYCFC by just marginally. He played 176 games with Chicago Fire, 179 with uh, New York City FC. Obviously huge for them in that cup winning year against the Timbers. Um just an important piece for them that they haven't looked as good this season without him. I think two other shouts. 
Maxime Cheneau and Alexander Collins, the center back pairing they had in that cup run. Yeah. Uh, Collins was there for six years. Cheneau just left, and he was there for seven, almost eight years. So legendary players, um, especially since they won that MLS Cup. Callens, though, I specifically gets a shout-out because he got the game-winning penalty in, like, the Eastern Conference uh, semifinals against New England in that shield-winning team, and then also won the MLS Cup winning penalty. So, I'm, I would agree with that. I gotta pause this real quick. This computer's about to die. Oh crap! Do you want my charger? Does it work for that? Just HP. Yeah. See if that works. That was scary, dude. I just looked and it just said you might want to plug in your PC, and there was nothing on the battery. Uh, Isaac about that. <laughs> Where were we at? We were just finishing up with uh, New York. We could just move on to New England. All right. Next up, we got New England Revolution. Another team that you can kind of just go back in the archives and find a lot of like old MLS players and um, and you know talk about their stats and whatnot, but. I'm going to go with a guy that has been at the club for a while, a more recent player. Um, you, this might help you know who he is. He's in top 10% of blocks for his position in the league. Smells like Andrew Farrell. <laughs> yes, sir. Andrew Farrell, the center back for New England Revolution, has been there for a decade now. Crazy. Yeah, he's he's put up every single season. He's He's put up nearly 30 games. Um, was a part of that shield winning team. Um, what can you say? Just a New England player. Like when you talk about Andrew Farrell, you, that's all you can talk about is the fact that he's been at New England forever. Kind of just goes under the radar, even though he's been a solid player. And uh, kind, I want to almost liken him to like a Lawless Abubakar, like at Colorado, like a guy that could anchor a team to be really good. And he stuck around when they're really bad. And then, you know, saw it through to the other end and, was a part of a really important uh you know really important part of a really good team yeah you look i personally love to see players who just dedicate their career to a single club and yeah i think his was it 2013 he started his career so he was there in 2014 when they uh, got to mls cup and lost to the galaxy so started off you know successful team and stuck with them through the the not as great seasons Stuck with them after 2014. They never finished higher than 11th place until 2021 when they won the Shield. So he stuck with them through some tough times where he probably could have pushed for a move to any other team in the league. I think most other teams would have taken him, like a proven MLS center back that has a high ceiling. But he yeah. stuck with the club. Can play on the right as well as a right back. I remember he started mm-hmm. as a rookie as a right back. That's uh, true. Great you, you love to see Andrew Farrell. we got to get that guy on the show. <laughs> could happen. It could happen. Another shout. We don't have to talk about him very long. I'm not the biggest fan of this guy just for his takes on the league, but Taylor Twellman, I think he's their all-time leading goal scorer, if I remember correctly. Yeah, on a legendary player. Um, you know, it kind of goes without being said. Taylor Twellman, um, I want to say he spent like 
almost his whole or most of his career at the Revs, but almost his whole career. Um, played in Germany for a bit. 174 appearances, 101 goals. That's pretty good uh, stats-wise. Retired early due to concussion worries. But, yeah, I mean, legendary player. Won the Open Cup 2007 and, you know, made a couple MLS, made a few MLS Cups. Um, Didn't get over that hump, unfortunately, but good player. Yeah, I mean, another guy that you could kind of throw in there as well that's part of the broadcast team now is Charlie Davies. Solid player for New England for a long time. Uh, Still a part of their broadcast team, I think. I don't know if he still is after the Apple TV deal. Um, But I'm going to go for a more recent player. I'm going to say Gustavo Bo. The legend cruising down. (laughs) Cruising around the cities in his cars. You love to see it. Um, For me... such a random poll. (laughs) Did not expect that. You want to give some context? (laughs) There was a a year that Jacob and I and some buddies went up to Seattle to to go watch Timbers game and uh there's always some shenanigans going on as we're just cruising around you know walking around the city before uh before the game and I don't know what it where we were at exactly we were pretty close to the stadium but some guy like somewhat downtown yeah some guy in like a Lamborghini or like some just exotic sports car you just hear it like on the other side of the block like like engine revving and then he just comes flying down the street past us and everybody like looks over and then I'm standing next to Jacob and I just kind of quietly just like go, see that's Gustavo Bo. <laughs> I don't even know why. That, there's <laughs> nothing in his personal life that I've seen that's indicated he would be anywhere near that type of activity. <laughs> there's no reason why he would have been in Seattle. There's no reason why he would be driving that car. Just, for whatever reason, that was the first MLS player <laughs> that came to mind. I was like, if I say an MLS player, it'll make Jacob laugh. And that was the first guy that came to mind. So now... It's like an ongoing joke whenever we're in Seattle. That's like a that was like down a hill too, like yeah. down the really hilly <laughs> yeah. part of Seattle. Just this car comes flying. That's, that's kind of like a that's like a huge just sphere of me and Chase's relationship. It's just <laughs> random situations that have no context and just saying, "Dude, was that <laughs> insert MLS player?" It's kind of like a you see those memes like on Instagram where it's like like men's like friendships can literally revolve around just saying old sports like like athletes names and that's like a big thing of like what jacob and i do <laughs> is just say old mls players it's funny because we can just talk like that and just i'll genuinely laugh and have a good time <laughs> yeah. some of my best laughs come from us just like bringing up an obscure old <laughs> mls player <laughs> um <laughs> anyways gustavo Bo, <laughs> he's been with new england since 2019 and since then, he's uh, he's racked up 95 appearances, and he's scored 42 goals and 16 assists. So, kind of speaks for himself. More than a a goal contribution, like every other game. You know, I put him and uh, Carlos Kiel kind of in like a similar mm-hmm. category together, kind of like a package deal. Carlos yeah. Kiel, 2019 as well, joined 122 appearances, 28 goals, um, led them to the Shield individual accolades in MLS. He's got like a, a lot actually for only being here for four years. Newcomer of the year in 2019, best 11, 2019 and 2021. The best 11 is pretty impressive because he came like mid season too, if I recall um, MLS player of the month. 
He won the like Revs Player of the Year twice, MLS Comeback Player of the Year once, MVP once, and twice in the MLS All-Star Game. Solid. Yeah, absolutely a legend that I think is going to go down as like one of the league greats. Um, but that leads us to the very last team, last but definitely not least, the Montreal Impact. Oh, sorry. They have rebranded. Club de Foot Montreal. This doesn't even deserve anything purely based on how terrible that rebrand is. Yeah, I hate that. Um, a team that was kind of hard to, like, seriously find some players, you know? Like, find some guys. I ended up coming up with, like, a longer list than most, but none of them are, like, when you think about them in terms of, like, MLS success, it would are, like, super successful. Yeah, so in MLS, they've won four Canadian championships, and that's it. You know, no real deep playoff runs. They got to the, the semifinals that one year against Toronto and that lights-out year. <laughs> so in MLS, the best thing they've done is beat two other Canadian teams <laughs> four times across the season <laughs> it's like <laughs> four times throughout their whole history they've been better than two other canadian teams yeah and you know that's yeah get some into the champions league which is no you know no sleeper of a competition i think most notably in mls i think of yeah that 2016 playoff series where they were a game away from the mls cup but then the 2015 concacaf champions league had an improbable run uh to ML to the CONCACAF Champions League final one or tied the first leg at Club America in the Azteca which was crazy and then they went up in the second leg at home against Club America and then they just completely lost the plot and conceded four goals in the second half that's a rough one that's a rough one but anchoring that Champions League team in a couple of those Canadian championship Ignacio Piatti I think is the 100% guaranteed one, if I had to say. Yeah, and I would say kind of similar. I talk about him the same way I talk about, like, uh, Federico Higuain. Like, right around that same era of MLS, of, like, the Diego Valeris, like, the Higuains. Like, that was such a different era of MLS where, like, the, you had these playmakers, like, these 10s that were just running the league. The, the number 10s were, like, yeah, just a, it was like then. a completely different profile to what you have in the league now. But all three of those guys were just amazing players. When you look at Piotti, um for Montreal, he played. He had six seasons. Uh, he scored a boatload of goals. He scored sixty-six goals and uh, had thirty-one assists and a hundred and thirty-five games played. So ninety-seven goal contributions across a hundred and thirty-five games is pretty dang good. Definitely, if he was on a better team, could have won some. He could have been a huge piece for a lot of those teams that were competing for silverware. Like we think about, yeah, like you said, Valeri Higuain. Um, Higuain didn't win a cup, but think about like how Valeri is viewed within the league. And I would put Valeri above Piotti, but man, if Piotti had some better pieces, you know, maybe won the Champions League, oh, he'd yeah. be viewed a lot higher up than now than what he should be because he was a legend. He's kind of forgotten about because when you look at his time with Montreal, so he joined in 2014, they finished 19th, 2015, they finished 7th, 2016, 11th, and then 17th, 15th, and 18th. So never finished very well when he was there, but man, was he like the best player for that team while he was there. 
and I was actually mistaken. He only won. He was only there for one Canadian Championship, and then got to the final at Champions League. Three-time All Star, two-time Best Eleven, Team MVP four years, um, top scorer three years. Um, no better pick for Montreal. The clear and obvious answer. Another guy you could throw in there. Dominic Oduro. Honestly, not a bad shout. Old pizza <laughs> hair himself. Uh, but a guy who was with the club um, for a pretty good portion of his career, Evan Bush. Um, not the number one for the first few seasons he was there, but 2015 through 2019, he was their number one option. Just a solid goalkeeper that did the business they never were that great when he was there so he's not really viewed as fondly but he's kind of one of those guys that is going to come up in like our guess who game or whatever one of these days because <laughs> just was a a name that you would see every year in the league like a zach like a zach mcmath like a um was another like a tally hall like some of those just like tally hall is a crazy <laughs> shout some of those just deep pole mls names um not too much else to say about him. Another guy, a little bit more recent, uh, Romel Kyoto. He's only been with the club since 2021, but he's been like one of their most important players in that time. He's played 75 games, um, 34 goals, 15 assists in that time. Really solid because this is kind of off topic, but like speaking of teams who kind of acquire other teams' MLS depth pieces, like he was at Houston, but never was that great. If he went to a team like Colorado, he'd be just stuck in the mud, just not really contributing. But he goes to a solid team like Montreal, and he unlocks his potential kind of. A couple shouts I got here. I kind of forgot these two played here. Um, Marco DeVaio, like a longtime Italian striker in Serie A, played for Valencia as well. And played, go ahead. played for Montreal for about three seasons, 34 goals and 76 appearances. And then Alessandro Nesta. I was just about to say that you reminded me as soon as you brought up the Italian. I was like, I forgot Nesta played there. Just for like a year or two, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's um, it's funny. It's it's talked about. Um, they, they've mentioned it on uh, Extra Time. But I've also I've read these quotes from him before. He's has, Have you heard he's like wants to come coach in MLS? That's like one of his goals. Is that right? Because I thought he was like CEO of like Miami, the USL team, like inter, or Miami no, FC. He So he... He was he uh, he was at Miami, but now he currently coaches. He coached two different teams in uh, Serie B in Italy, and then he um, coached. I think he coaches. I forget the name of him, but they they've been promoted to Serie A, so he's coaching in Serie A. But um, both teams he coaches in Serie B like sacked him because they didn't get promoted. And he was you know doing an interview and he talked about how he wanted to go coach in MLS. He said, like, in MLS, you have the freedom. And this is something we've talked about with coaches in MLS, that you have the freedom and you have the time to actually build something versus in Europe, there's no patience. Everything is, like, demanded right now. So there's, like, a lot more of an element of luck that goes along with it versus in MLS, he could come here and he could help develop, like, a whole club and a vision that he wants to have. So definitely an option for some of these these mls jobs that are coming up this is a fascinating team because i'm forgetting all sorts of players that played here um patrice bernier longtime midfielder captain club legend there um i remember even Thierry Henry speaking about like this guy um laurent simon 
Long time center back. Played for Belgium, actually, while he was at Montreal. Um, Fascinating. They had Bojan. He wasn't a legend there, but they. Ha- I was just looking through their player list. They've had a lot of interesting players. Bojan, the former Barca, mm-hmm. Ajax, and Stoke player. Bakari Sagna played there at Montreal for like a year. Uh, Victor Wanyama now. And we picked Evan Bush instead. <laughs> Another name I, I threw down was Didier Drogba. Um, I, I forget. We were literally just talking about it before we started here, but he had an insane goal-scoring record. For um, for Montreal when he was there, he he played only two seasons, thirty three games played, and he scored twenty one goals and had four assists. Absolutely, just lit the league up when he was here. Only two seasons as well, so wasn't here for very long. But man, was he good when he was here. That's a great shout. <laughs> um, they had Jordi Mihailovic wasn't there long, but was was great while he was here. Um, I don't know. This is a fun team. Samuel Piet um, played 171 times for them. Uh, real recent anchor for their midfield. Jack McInerney, Justin Mapp. You know, <laughs> we were just talking about Drogba. Do you remember? I forget what season it was. One of the seasons he was here, he got tied up in like that. Like he like tackled the goalie and then like. Yeah, his like, legs like caught him. Like threw the goalie down or something. Was that not Steve Clark? It may have been Steve Clark, yeah. And, yeah, that was back before VAR, and they just kind of, like, laughed it off and let it go, whereas in today's age, that probably would be, like, a red card. Classic MLS just protecting the star player, am I right? (laughs) Freaking Americans. Anyways, I think that wraps up our ring of honor for the whole league. So This is uh, a dangerous topic for me and Chase, because anytime we're just spitting... Random MLS back names. And forth. So uh, now to wrap it up, we're going to go back through the whole list start to finish. <laughs> <laughs> now we'll be here all night if we do that. Um, that was kind of a fun segment, though. I enjoyed kind of taking a look back at some of these important players. Strolling back through some legendary MLS names. Always a good time. I'm sure there's definitely some people we missed as well. Just like it, it's funny it took us till that very last team of Montreal to like really dive in and we found a bunch of players that we forgot even played in this league. I think especially what intrigues me is like the, the European players who like come here from like notable clubs but like play for like a season on like a random team, not like an LA or a New York. Yeah. And then they're just gone. You didn't even hear about them. Um, like all those Montreal players. But I would agree. It's just hard because, yeah, we don't get every player because there's 29 teams. And there's a few you can like keep up and remember with. But remembering like longtime players for all those is pretty difficult, actually. It is. It is. But that was a fun segment. Definitely something that we may do a different iteration of in the future. But moving on as we go to wrap this up, we got our match predictions. As we talked about, the two games we both predicted on that have already happened, Minnesota versus New England, we were both wrong. Miami versus SKC, we were both wrong as well, so no points awarded there. Um, LA Galaxy and St. Louis are currently playing. I don't know. Have you checked their score at all? I was just looking. St. Louis up 1-0 on the road. 1-0 on the road. I I got St. Louis winning this game 2-1. Uh, Jacob has a 2-2 tie. Uh, But moving on to this next week, we went with five games this week, actually, because as the season's wrapping up, there's so many interesting games with all these playoff implications and and teams like on the verge of jumping over each other. 
Um, really exciting. So I, th- I threw down a handful of games. First game we got New York City FC hosting New York Red Bulls. What's the name of this rivalry? Isn't it like Hudson River Derby or something like that? Yep. Um, both these teams neck and neck. Uh, New York City FC 12th place, New York Red Bulls 13th place. Um, but both are like a win or two away from getting into that playoff spot. So definitely a huge momentum turn for them. New York City FC on 30 points, New York Red Bulls on 29. New York Red Bulls have a game in hand, though. So definitely have the ability to jump over New York City FC and uh, make some ground here. We've kind of alluded, but yeah, this rivalry's lost a lot of bite. It yeah. feels like, I mean, this is a big game. Yeah, they're they're close, fighting for a playoff spot. I'm going New York City at home versus the Red Bulls. I'm going NYCFC two nil at home. I don't see the Red Bulls getting a result away from home. I am going for a one one draw. I just don't think this is going to be much of a game. It seems like all the fight has just left this rivalry. I think the fact that they're both. I mean, they're within reach of playoffs, but the teams above them and the teams like, you know, Miami is right below them. Every other team seems to have way more momentum than both of these teams right now. So I just, I don't see this being much going for a one, one draw. Next up, we have Charlotte hosting DC United. This doesn't sound like much of a game, but when you look at the league table, DC United ninth place on 34 points. Charlotte 11th place on 31 points with two games in hand. Huge game for them. And uh, we had talked earlier, DC not necessarily in a good run of form. And then you look at Charlotte in their run of form. I don't think they've lost a game um, since July 15th. Unless, you, I, well, you can count the League's Cup loss to Miami, but that's just a whole different beast. But Which is crazy considering uh, they're still... 11th place yeah i mean a lot of the they won a handful of games through the league's cup so um but huge momentum builders and then they come out of league's cup and they've beat lafc beat or or they tied orlando and then tied uh nashville but two really hard teams to play against coming up against a a dc though is going to be interesting huge game because this would put them tied for ninth place um like with dc actually i'm going you know, we doubted the we doubted DC last week against Chicago. I'm going DC. Benteke seems to be doing well, actually. So one nil DC United. I'm going for a two one Charlotte. The fact that they're home, I think, makes a huge difference in this game. Honestly, does Bill Tuiloma get the? <laughs> Not a chance. He doesn't get anything. <laughs> but. No, I think I think the fact that Charlotte is home and the fact that they haven't really had any poor results recently, um, I think it's going to be huge for them. So I'm, I'm rooting for them to one win here. Next up, we have Montreal hosting Chicago Fire. Montreal in eighth place on 35 points. Chicago in tenth place on 32 points. And same amount of games played, but Chicago has a game in hand on DC, who's just above them in 28th place. So what do we these two games we were just talking about, very intertwined, and you can see a lot of teams shuffling right here. But uh, I wanted to go over Chicago's recent results. <laughs> so most recent game, lost 4-0 to uh, DC. 
Before that, they lost to Vancouver 1-0. Before that, they lost to LA Galaxy 3-0. Before that, they lost to Orlando City 3-1. And then you go into League's Cup. They lost to Club America uh, 1-0. They lost to Puebla in penalties. <laughs> um, and then, so their last win was League's Cup on July 27th versus Minnesota. And it was a 3-2 game. Um, when was their last like MLS win? League win? Uh, July 15th against Toronto. They were on a, a good run of form going into League's Cup. They had three wins in a row. And then they went to League's Cup, and they've just been not good since then. Terrible. Montreal hosting Chicago. The Kai Kamara Derby. The Dilly <laughs> Duca Derby. The Jordi Mihailovic Derby. Harry Ship. Ooh, that's a name that's right a there. That's a deep, deep pull. I'm going, I'm going 2-1 Montreal. I'm going 3-2 Montreal. I feel like there's not going to be much defending going on in this game. Which means there's going to be some goals blown in. Which means we're both saying Montreal winning. It's definitely going to be Kai Kamara getting like an 85th minute header winner. Yeah, it's going to be like a 1-0. Just scrappy game that's played in the midfield the whole time. Anyways, another game with huge playoff implications is Austin FC hosting... Portland Timbers, Austin FC in 10th place, 33 points, Timbers in 11th on 33 points with one more game played than Austin. So huge game for Timbers if they really have a, any hopes of making it into the playoffs. If they win, they have a chance of bumping up into that ninth or eighth place. Oh, ninth, it'd be ninth place. Huge, huge. This is a six point game. Portland and Austin creeping right next to each other. I remember last season it was similar Portland went in Austin and got a win. Zach McGraw scored the winner, and it was huge. Portland in Texas in the summer months never really mix well, which is terrifying. I'm going a two-two draw though. I I don't I don't know if Portland wins, but I think it'll be a I think it'll be a draw. I I'm going with a three-two. Portland win. I think this is going to be a high-scoring like week in MLS. I think some teams are finally getting a little bit of a rest. There's no like midweek games, and I think the league just needs these games to be like blown wide open. But who scores? I have a feeling it's going to be the unlikely characters again. I think Zach McGraw, like off a set piece, um, Juan David Mascara, I think also is going to get a goal. Third goal. Evander like free kick or something weird like that um but no I wanted to kind of go over like Austin's recent run of form as well um they obviously tied New England 2-2 uh recently September 2nd New England we talked about it terrible uh place as a club right now their last win before that July 15th against Sporting Kansas City Austin yeah since then uh, they had that terrible showing in League's Cup, losing to Mazatlan and Juarez uh, 3-1, two not good Liga MX teams. Um, and then they come out of uh, League's Cup after having like nearly a month break, and they go and lose to St. Louis 6-3. And then after that, it's been a loss to Dallas 1-0, a loss to Sounders 2-1, and then a draw against New England. So it could easily be an Austin revenge game where they finally put some form together. But I think they're just down in the dumps right now, and I think Timbers are starting to build a little momentum. Last game we're going to predict, though, 
we have Orlando City SC hosting the Columbus Crew. Not necessarily implications of who's going to make playoffs here, but when you look at the league table, Orlando sitting in third place in the East with 47 points. Columbus, same amount of games played, and they're on 45 points. If Columbus wins, they could jump all the way up to second place. Wild stuff. Yeah. Close teams. Kind of, you're always really big on Columbus. I'm always really big on Orlando. <laughs> this is kind of like our alter egos coming out. I'm going 1 0 Orlando. Facundo Torres is heating up. They just won in Cincinnati. I think at home versus Columbus, they get it done. You don't think so. I'm going for a Columbus 3 0 win. I think Columbus is going to freaking blow the doors off of this place. At Exploria Stadium Absolutely. in Orlando? Absolutely. Uh, I think Columbus, having just beat Montreal 4-2, um, they had a rough result in Houston, but that's Houston. They're heating up. Terrible place to go play at. They've had some good results, though. Beating Toronto. They also beat Cincinnati 3-0 recently. Um, they had a pretty good showing in League's Cup. They've been solid before then. Um and Orlando as well, like building up some some steam. So I mean, they're doing pretty solid. I don't know. It's just something about this Columbus team, dude. And it's not the fact that I'm just their FM manager, <laughs> but they're just a fun team to watch. And I think they have a lot of really good pieces. And Wilfred Nance is a really good coach. I think he's going to help this team get a high finish before playoffs. Two solid coaches: Oscar Pereja, Wilfred Nance. Oscar Pereja. Still hasn't been offered another contract at Orlando yet, I believe. I think his contract's end of the year, right? I I think you might be right. I'm not too sure. I know a lot of Orlando fans have wanted him gone, but he's really been their only successful coach. I took him to one, got him one U.S. Open Cup, took him to another Cup final. Um, he's really good. I think the question is, has he already reached kind of his, his peak yeah, so his contract is uh he's out of contract at the end of this year. Um no offer on the table as of right now. To me, he's kind of like the opposite of Robin Frazier. Like he's been put in these clubs that were like set up for success and he's been really good at developing like youth and developing players. Like he was amazing at developing youth at FC Dallas and he's been really good at like improving the stock of all these Orlando players. Was even the whole reason he got the Dallas job was he had a good year at Colorado of all places in 2013, I want to say. And yeah, developed players developed Dylan powers, current orange County SC legend. That's for one person out there listening. Our friend, Ryan Oscar Pereja is a guy I would love to have in Portland. Like we're historically a terrible club. I think we're probably the worst one in the league with youth development. I would love to see him come in and like kind of turn that around. And also just the fact that he was, he was really successful with FC Dallas. So I don't know. I would love to see him come. Uh, but I think any, he's probably a guy that any team in the league would take a chance on him. He's going to be having a lot of phone calls this year. That's going to do it. Episode 29, 29. What are we doing for the 30th episode special? Big old 30. We got to call 30 MLS players. Episode 29 for 29 MLS teams. How about we highlight the best players to wear the number 30 in MLS? That's such a niche segment. (laughs) 
Off the top of your head, who's the best number 29 in MLS league history? Oh, gosh. Juan David Mascara. Mascara. He wears 29, right? I th- I think. Yeah, I'm pretty no, sure you're he right. does. You're right. Yeah. Anderson Julio, RSL. This is a deep, deep poll question. This is what happens when we're left. Uh, this is what we'll be talking about for the next uh, 30. <laughs> I was just trying to Google MLS players who wear the number 29. And the first thing I just typed in MLS players who wear, and it came up with MLS players wearing sports bras. The amount of comments I see still every time that happens when somebody takes like, off a shirt. And why are they wearing sports bras? Why do they water the turf? It's fake grass. Why are they watering it? <laughs> it's got. It was to the point where at Timbers games they would have like an informational thing up like on the screen at halftime that explained why they like wo- seriously they were, they were watering the turf. Yeah. Freaking American fans, dude. Freaking American fans. I'm trying to look through. I'm looking through a list to see if I can find the best number 29 of all time. Oh, there's a clear answer here. Really? Oh, yeah. Tim Melia. <laughs> Tim Melia, number 29 legend. Guy haunted many, many Timbers players back in the day. Just those unbeatable SKC teams. This is an interesting list, uh... It's on uh, MLS's website. They go through the best player of e- for each number. They got Diego Valeri with number eight, Diego Charo with twenty-one. Um, some solid. This would this would have been a fun segment for us to do. Maybe we do the worst player to wear each number. <laughs> that would be pretty. Fun. That's going to take some research. That that would be our one hundredth episode. Uh, we don't. We could only go. We could go up to like just number eleven or something like that. But that would be fun. Anyways, that's going to do it before we get off on another tangent here. Episode 29 of the MLS Net Boys show. Thank you all for listening. As always, Keegan Hughes, come on the show.